This episode is brought to you ad-free thanks to all of our wonderful patrons. You can get tons of exclusive content and help us keep the show going by joining at patreon.com slash shonenflop. And welcome to this episode where we talk about manga and shonen jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. Next week, we'll be covering Shinmai Fuke Kilko-san. If you'd oh, like yeah, to dude. read along with us, Jordan is in disbelief I got that in one take. Congratulations, man. I'm impressed. Hey-o. Nice. <laughs> be sure be sure to join the discussion in our Discord and submit your six-word summary. Oh, my God. We had so many fucking ones this week. <laughs> you can find a link to the Discord in our episode description and on our website, shonenflop.com. But this week, we are talking about Fabricant 100, and we are joined by our guest today, Kermit the Grog. Ahoy, hoy, everybody. I'm Kermit the Grog from the podcast. Oh, it's Mr. Burns. <laughs> it's how you answer a telephone. Because you're an old person. That's what Alexander Graham Bell wanted. <laughs> God, I miss when The Simpsons had clever jokes like that. Uh... So I'm told by Conan O'Brien. Okay, enough distractions. Hi, I'm from that time I got reincarnated in the same world as a, a shoot anime podcaster. I think that's it. It's a long, it's a long title. <laughs> What's the name of my podcast again, David? I don't remember. Your co-host is listening into this recording right now being like, Jesus fucking. <laughs> exactly. That's why I feel like I can mess with it. <laughs> oh man that is awesome though we'll link it in the description i'll say it again at the end right now right now listen to this podcast episode and then go listen to our podcast afterwards oh yeah listen to the whole podcast if you want to catch the actual name of kermit the grog's podcast i like that god it's a little eric andre when he was on hot ones where he just did eric andre shows on television as this plug <laughs> But yeah, and then Kermit, we are so excited. We know you are a good friend of Brad, who is on our Tricks Dedicated Witches. Brad is a most excellent dude. He is listening in right now, which is unrelated to me praising him. But <laughs> yes, so we are very excited to have you on. Thank you. And man, what an absolute manga. So Jordan, why don't we dive into some manga details where we'll hear a bit about the background of the series before we start getting into what Fabricant 100 is about. All right, so this is Fabricant 100. The author was Daisuke Enoshima. Notable people that they were an assistant for, David, was Yusei Matsui on The Elusive Samurai, which is something I have merely heard of and know nothing about. By the person who made Assassination High School? Classroom. Oh, sorry, Assassination Classroom, which I fully read. Oh, cool. How are they an assistant on a currently running manga while they were writing a currently running manga? Did they, I guess at some point they stopped being an assistant. Yeah, they stopped being an assistant. Oh, well, there you go. And then worked on this. It's pretty common because it's like, like for One Piece, we've had a ton of people who are former One Piece assistants because mm. that's like how you get like your foot in the door. Yeah. But yeah, notable people that this guy had as an assistant was, I believe, Elk Itsumo. Is it Elk or is that an accidental uppercase I? I don't know. We'll find out. Maxi B will correct us later. Yeah. This guy was was credited in volume one of Fabricant. Just made the cutoff by getting serialized very shortly after Fabricant's cancellation. So congratulations to that guy. Yeah, and it looks like they made two on ice, which I assume is about ice skating. I want to say that premieres maybe tomorrow, unless it's not in Jump. Oh, shit. That's dope. Tomorrow at time of this recording, I should be clear. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, this guy's other works include three one-shots, including the prototype for this series. The other two one-shots are Atama no Nai Futari in Jump Giga 2020 and Madly in Love in Weekly Shonen Jump. I've never heard of that. (laughs) It was apparently included in Fabricant 100 Volume 3. But we're not talking about those right now, David. We are talking about Fabricant 100. And this series ran between the 5th of December 2022 to September 4th, 2023. 36 chapters, five volumes. You know, I'm not even mad that this series was longer than our usual range. I'm not either. Fuck, it went way faster than standards. Oh, this was like reading 15 chapters of stars. 
after standards, I remember you guys talking about standards being like, there's a billion chapters and nothing happens and we need to make a new rule that will never do this again. And yes, we literally had the chapter density rule now because of that series. I want to be clear, even though this series is shorter than standards, as you'll see, the plot summary is significantly longer because shit happens in this series. All the time. All the time. I started reading this series. I was like, I was going to do the same thing as standards where like, all right, I got to read 10 chapters today and then I'll read more. And then I just read the whole series. Yeah, I remember in our cheapie, I was like, I might just keep reading this. Yeah, so the series is replaced, as Maxi B says, it's complicated, but probably Hunter Hunter. I mean, hiatus, hiatus. Hey. Hey. And the series that replaced it was Mama Yu Yu by Yoshihiko Hayashi. Hey, but in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we might be covering that. But the series that started, I remember this, David. This was something that people were talking about. It started at the same time as four series, yeah. including Ichidose's Family's Deadly Sins by Taizan 5. Four plus volumes, it's still ongoing. And Cypher Academy by Nisio Isin and Yuji Iwasaki. That's still going, which is surprising. Now, here's the thing. The thing that is notable about that is it is about word puzzles that are translated from Japanese into English and the translator quit. There's no hope. I as I tried reading it and yeah, it's like I'm glad it's ongoing long enough to not be eligible for Shonen Flop. Oh God, I cannot imagine how awful. I tried reading oh. it. Everything around the puzzles are great and I love puzzles, but it's just like, yeah. I can't understand even a little bit of what's going on and there's just, it's too powerful. Oh God. If they weren't doing the translate everything in jump requirement, they definitely would not have been trying to translate the series. No, this is brutal. Just bobo it. Yeah. Keep the plot, just make new puzzles. Yeah. And then Jordan, what was the last series? I think our listeners may be familiar uh, with it. Uh, Ichigaki's Under Control by Seiji Hayashi. Yeah. Uh, we covered that. Check it out God. on episode 82. Wow. Chapter one, we're like, this is axed. Yep, sames. This is a flop. Chapter one, you knew. <laughs> I think these came out pre-me joining this Discord where I've joined the death cult of like, well, if it's going to die, I have to follow it every step of the way. So that one was <laughs> like, touched it. Nope, I've got no responsibilities. I'm out. Yeah. Is that the Discord that keeps changing the series that get canceled? What? I remember I joined it. It was initially the Time Paradox Ghostwriter series. And then I think it became our blood oath at some point. It became our blood oath and it became Ayashimon and they just they just kept picking series that flopped. I don't know what series it currently is. I have too many yeah. discord channels. I can't figure out which one it is. <laughs> but yeah, fuck that. Let's get into the plot for Fabricant 100. All right. Lay it on us, Jordan. All right. So this is a long one. Ashibi Yao's entire family was killed before his eyes. The Yao family was born with incredible genes, just like Donald Trump, which keep them looking young, <laughs> well into their 110s, which made them prime targets for the fabricants. Artificial beings created by a scientist striving to create the ideal human. They are sewn together with body parts. They are Frankenstein monsters, David, which real Frankenstein heads will know the monster is actually called Adam, or maybe it's called Frankenstein because who is the real monster? Anyway, the Fabricants wish to steal the best flesh they can and sew it into their bodies for improvements. The Fabricants have a hierarchy based on the order they were created. The higher the number, the more recent and the stronger they are. Thus, Ashibi, now 14 and thus too young to be harvested, made a pact with number 100, most powerful fabricant, that if she can help him kill all the others, then he will give her his body when he turns 18. 
She agrees and now follows him, both protecting his superior body and defeating the other fabricants. By drawing his own blood, he can lure fabricants to his location in order to defeat them with 100, because they can smell it like a shark. After killing a fabricant who stole the woman's eyes, and one who drowned people underwater, Ashibi is found by Luca, a superpowered human working with Mortsafe, a group dedicated to wiping out fabricants. After confirming that 100 is under Ashibi's control, he invites them both to go to their compound. Ashibi is resistant until he learns that 100 has been hiding something from him. It is possible to end the human harvesting without killing all the fabricants. All they have to do is kill fabricant number one, who has learned how to perform the surgery which gives fabricants their new body parts. All fabricants just know where he is located, but 100 refuses to reveal that information because she still plans on harvesting Ashibi's body and requires one's help to do it. Popcorn David. Ashibi requests that they both be accepted into Mortsafe, and the boss allows them on the condition that they carry out one mission to show they can kill fabricants without empathizing with them. The mission is to kill the singer Roxy, who is deaf but has been using a close fabricant friend of hers to sing for her, resulting in many people being manipulated into death. During the fight, the fabricant kills Roxy without hesitation in order to attack 100, showing that fabricants are incapable of caring about people. Next, they defeat a fabricant sniper who actually uses a gun. Holy shit! In a manga? Oh man, what is the Sakamoto days? Right? He used to, he used to fucking gun i i was shocked he fucking was actually a sniper is that a thing in jump yeah i mean sakamoto days right now literally has an arc where they're dealing with a deadly sniper oh i know i just didn't know guns and jump were like a surprise let's just let jordan have that i feel like it is jordan's like wait they had guns in 1950 1950 yeah that's roughly when the series is said i think post-world war ii it's or at least post-world war one oh we'll talk about that later I get it. It's just, I feel like it's usually like superpower punching. I mean, even in this manga, number 100 attacks that guy by like flinging a pebble at super speeds, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. But this guy has some of the flesh of the Yao family. So he has super regeneration powers. So yeah, that's a thing that can happen. Ashibi also touched the core of Fabricant 99, which is held inside Mordsafe and gives him powers of instant regeneration. Ashibi trains with Ayako, a four-star fighter with super eyes, along with Mimin, a one-star fighter who doesn't matter because the manga got canceled. Yeah. Ashibi and Minmin team up to defeat her using her powers to take her sword slashes. She passes him, but tells him that she doesn't like people who self-sacrifice. Next, Ashibi and 100 meet a nice farmer who feeds them, but is immediately murdered by number one and his lackey, number 91. He gets fucking murked. Just like mid-sentence. Well, man, you got 91 and 1. You better call an ambulance for that guy. <laughs> because he enhanced 91, he's able to fight 100 on even ground, which shocks her so much that she has a traumatic flashback where she remembers she can create fire at the expense of burning the shit out of herself. So she burns 91 to death, but prevents 1 from being captured or killed because she still wants a Shibi's body. So this was kind of interesting because uh, this was the first time she experienced an injury and she was like, wait, this reminds me before. She experienced pain. Yes. And yeah, she remembered like, oh, wait a minute. I used to be able to do this, but I blocked it out because it was so painful. But then she like remembered it. Yeah, yeah. It's very high cost to use that ability, which I thought was cool. I respect. Yeah, I respect women on fire. No, I, I respected it because it, it also wasn't like stamina. It was like, no, this is physical. Oh, yeah. 
The boss approaches 100 and Ashibe and tells them that one stole 99's core and they expect Ayako betrayed them to lead him there. 100 agrees to keep helping her under the condition that she receives the note of the doctor who made them. And the two team up with, shoot, I'm going to butcher all these names, Kugu, Kugu, Kugi, Kugui, Kugui, Ayako's brother, in order to save her. After tracking them to a carnival, they fight two fabricants, one who once again has enhanced eyes to find targets and another who transforms into the target that she identifies. 100 kills them, but not before Ayako is killed. Number one has rebuilt 99 and launched an attack with the remaining fabricants on Mortsafe. So the two head off to defeat them, and on the way she reads the doctor's notes. 100 defeats 99 with the help of Ashibe, who covers himself in her fire and does the fire punch thing, where his body constantly generates and it's like a freaking rad falcon punch. Watashina shina shidanzu! Yes! Until it doesn't. The regeneration, that is. Ashibe's regeneration runs out and he becomes useless to 100, so she leaves him and approaches one. She says that the doctor was a weapon scientist who built missiles and after losing the war escaped to an island where people were nice to him at their own expense. Unfortunately, the country he built destroyed the island, so he started building fabricants to recreate them into the people he identified as ideal. She interprets his idea of the ideal human as one who sacrifices themselves for the sake of others. She then grabs one, lights herself on fire, and Azuna drops herself down the spiral staircase, joyfully sacrificing herself to become the ideal human. Fucking awesome! Fucking amazing yeah. part! What a fucking great ending. Oh. Totally feels earned. Three years later, the team from Ortsate meets Ashibi at his home to celebrate his 18th birthday. What a rad story. Oh man, we will have some pauses, but let's dive into the characters real quick. So, Jordan, why don't you tell us about Ichibi? So, Ashibi Yao, you know, he's from a murdered family. And he's a smart <laughs> of the kid. the Yao Ming dynasty, as Jordan said in the Chibi episode. <laughs> he's a smart kid. You know, he's wise. I mean, that's what happens when you're forced to grow up by watching your entire family get ripped apart by Frankensteins. No, that's lame. I'm post making a point about Frankenstein being called Frankenstein's monster. It's over. You know what? Fine. He was his family was ripped apart by an army of atoms. There you go. There you go. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm very happy. And yeah, he's got super genes because when he turns 18, he will be old enough to be harvested because that is when the Yao family starts slowing their aging process down. And all the fabricants are obsessed with his blood. They, well, they're obsessed with his flesh because they want that. They want the best flesh, David. And yeah, he gains regeneration powers by supercharging his very healthy genes and flesh. Would you call him best genus? Would you describe <laughs> him as best genus? God, what a fucking reference. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I do think it was cool how they were like, yeah, because the science, I think, is true about the, what is it, telometers? Telomeres? Yeah, there is actually an, a limit to how much and there is hypothetically if not overcome a hard limit of how old a human being can oh right i didn't know anytime there was a science reference i'm like yeah sure i guess i don't know it seemed cool it seemed legit yeah i mean some of it was definitely bullshit i mean you have to oh yeah any bioscience superpower is gonna do bullshit like we saw in nanohazard but the telomere thing actually i think is true and it's generally associated with longitude Brad. Yeah, the goal is that you at least start correctly, even if the ending is fudged, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah, of course it's not real. Otherwise, humans would just do that. Yeah. We, we're not doing it yet. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And then Kermit, do you want to tell us a bit about Fabricant 100? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Fabricant 100 is a Frankenstein's monster. She's a giant woman in a it looks like a wedding dress. Giant almost. woman. She's a giant woman. God. All I want to do is see her to turn to. Giant woman. Yeah, what a Steven Universe reference. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she is, Dami Mommy is really the only way you can describe this person. Yes. If you have ever seen, what is it, Resident Evil 8, she's just Lady Demetrescu. She's got the sun hat. Yes. 
got big blonde hair. She's got big yabos. Huge titties. Yeah, in the pilot, she literally wore, like, the hat, and I'm pretty sure Shoeisha was like, we're going to get sued if you actually look like this. Make her <laughs> slightly different, and I was like, good, yes, on board. She's insane and deranged, but also, I don't know, I found her really, like, delightful because it's, they make her, she is both a monster, but also just, like, a weird little chaos kid. Oh, she was like a gremlin. I love when he first calls her out on the scientist thing, like, the number one. And she it's like so my dog does that when she's in trouble, she won't make eye contact with you. <laughs> and she literally does like the same thing where she just kind of stared up into space because she doesn't want to like be re- She just doesn't want to make eye contact. And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, great. I love that panel. She's like a klutz and she has some really great body language in the series. There's a lot of really good panels. There's funny moments. I'm remembering when they're at the carnival and just in the background, they're on the teacups and she's spinning them way too fast. And she may literally just goes <laughs> flying out of the teacups. I love 100 so much. She is such a good character. She's so interesting with the whole like, there's always a question of how much of her caring about him is an act. And like kind of all of it is, but there's also like, is it all of it? Like, is there some part of her that genuinely cares? Like, is she genuinely having fun? Is she faking it? Her character is very interesting, especially at the end where she like goes full crazy and like learns like, well, logically, I must self-sacrifice because this is what the ideal human is. And that was my goal the whole time. But I also like before that, she has a moment where she first feels pains and she's like, this sucks. My goal is to just inflict pain on everybody else all the time. So it's not mine. And it's like, what a wonderfully self-serving lesson to learn and things where it's always like, oh, I should self-sacrifice or I should learn this. She's just like, wow, getting hurt sucks. I should just hurt everybody else before they can hurt me. And then she just punches the shit out of everybody. It's like, this is great. I love this. This is so different and weird. I do think, though, whenever I read this series, the entire time I was, it's kind of like the Poochie situation where it's like anytime she's not on panel, I'm like, where's Dommy Mommy? (laughs) She's so good. Oh, man. She's overwhelmingly the best part of this series. Not to say the series is bad. Yeah, there is a bunch of cool stuff, but she's the highlight. Definitely. Yeah. But I think along with the good, there is still the bad. So why don't we get into why it failed? I really struggled to enjoy this series from the start. I just kind of felt like it had like a lot of fridge logic issues where if you think about things too hard about how the series really works, it's also like, why is there a giant secret society? There's only like eight of these fabricants. Someone like just sat down and made them. And if they were made during World War II, they've only been around for like maybe 20 years. So like the whole world doesn't really make sense with how the fabricants exist and continue to evolve. Because it literally anytime fabricant finds a part, they have to take that part, run off find the scientist he has to install in them and then go back to where they were so that first chapter seems absolutely insane where the same fabricant was in the same area yeah so first of all david i do not believe world war ii happened i think this is a completely different world i, th- I mean it's strongly alluded i think it's pulling from it conceptually but i don't think we're literally in yeah. america europe we're in pretend fantasy europe all right but it does say that there was a massive war and then like 20 years later there's another similar massive war so it's hard not to read that as world war one and world war two yeah Like, I get it, but I feel like it is a fundamentally, like, different world set up differently, but it definitely has parallels. They're absolutely making a Nazi reference there, but, like, I got confused because I felt like they were talking about how the scientist was a Nazi scientist specifically, because they didn't really have those those kinds of missiles in World War One. So it was like, oh, and then... I mean, they definitely had bombings during World War One. They were dropped by, they were explicitly dropped by airplanes. Yeah, I guess that was the first time they did that. I don't know. But regardless, I also kind of feel like, David, why were there so many enhanced eyes? Because it's such an easy thing to do. It's like Record of Ragnarok where everyone has a special eye power. 
these people pull like a bunch of different enhanced body parts, but apparently the most important was eyes. There are so many enhanced eyes just constantly like it is the most common one. Yeah. There's a lot of these where I could make a point. I would agree this series is very messy and I'll get to some of my own little gripes and confusions, but I feel like they make a point of like, oh, better eyes allows them to find better parts. So their, you know, fabricant programming goes, well, if I have better eyes, I can find better parts easier and then get those parts and I can just be better. Like everything is math number, get big, get better to them. Like, I understand the logic behind it, but it is kind of lame. It is kind of lame from a writing place where it's like, oh, it's eyes again. Yeah. The ones that aren't eye based are usually the most like interesting and compelling. Yeah. I would say to your point of like the time period and the more safe, like any time numbers are involved that isn't just, oh, fabricate number bigger than other number. It gets messy. How many fabricants are there? How long has it been since this has started? How is Mort safe here? How many people are in Mort safe? Like how many like at the end they go, hey, we've killed what? I think even just Ashibe and 100 have killed what? Maybe like a dozen. By the first chapter, I think they said they killed 17 of them already. Exactly. And then they've they fought a bunch. And clearly this Mort safe has been around long enough and has people at a ranking system to be like, these are our five star people and they're out on missions. Yeah. But then somehow at the end, 40 fabricants all at once attack Mort safe, as we're told. And it's like, what have you guys been doing this whole time that there's still 40 left when this little boy and his giant dummy mommy are have just been tearing through them at a rate about one a week. Like that's where everything is like messy, where you have to think about too much of the structure. It kind of falls apart and it i guess we'll get to what it does right it kind of lives in the moments in between the structure i think mort save was just a stupid idea to be honest something like mort save could have showed up way later if there's like hey what if this world yeah. had other problems besides the fabricants like this doctor is not the only one doing this like crazy science you know we could have been fighting like mechs and stuff later i don't know or like, where did he get the ability to make super monsters? Like, yeah, like he could have had other scientists besides one. Yeah. I think that Mortsafe could have worked if it was a much smaller operation. Yeah. Later or smaller or more just like, hey, there's like a resistance movement and they're just kind of wherever they can be. And not like yeah. literally this giant castle town that has all these incredible people and that incredible chef with his incredible hands. Oh, I just feel like if the series kept going, they would have had to introduce ideas on how to bring in more fabricants than just 100. Like maybe they could have had 100 creating his own army or maybe they could have had like a copycat scientist. But like this couldn't have gone on with only 100 fabricants. I yeah. think it could, but I'll get to that at the very end when we talk about other things, because there's another series I'm thinking of that has a set number of dudes they're chasing. And I feel like that one handles it better than this one, because Fabrican plays very fast and loose with its how many are there? Who's dealt with them? So, yeah, I also think some of the arcs also were kind of iffy. Like, again, that singer arc, I found like a pretty serious continuity issue in the singer arc where he makes it very explicit that all the fabricants have neck scars. And that's how you identify a neck scar or a fabricant. And the singing woman very clearly doesn't have one. But yes, you're going to say, oh, they could have hit it. But if that's the case, why is he still say if you don't have a neck scar, you're not a fabricant so adamantly? Even then, it also turns out that the fabricant, the actual fabricant also doesn't have a neck scar. So this entire identification system is really stupid. Was it specifically a neck scar yes he explicitly says oh that super fast guy you know the guy who kidnaps him he literally says oh he can't be a fabricant he doesn't have a neck scar mm -hmm. i thought it was he just didn't have scars all over him i don't know if they specifically said neck scar but still no because he has like a tie thing he takes off and that's how he's like relieved it's not a fabricant is because oh well he can't be one because he doesn't have a scar that's there. fair and i guess there was also that copycat one that also somehow didn't have them though they could look like other yeah that definitely breaks down quickly 
this series is the quintessential. If you think about the pieces of this series too much, it does not make sense. Don't think too hard. Feel. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Just don't think too hard about the series, but you'll still have a good time. They're kind of stitched together. Hey, look at this guy. But speaking of how, despite the series not making some sense, I still enjoyed it. Why don't we get into the positives? Yeah. So, Kermit, what would you say is something that you really enjoyed about the series? Not that it's much of a challenge to do so. I would say even if the logic is not good, the general like feeling and thoughts this series constantly have was always very compelling. The way that the characters are constantly dealing with their situation, their emotions, how they're constantly changing, but also in a very Jojo way. It's like, okay, the plot's (laughs) moving along. I'm enjoying this little story they've set up. Oh, wait, here's some new angle to make things even more interesting, like constantly popping off. And I just I love that that opening moment where it's like there's a killer stealing people from a train while it's running. And it's like, what is that? How does that? work yeah and then learning that they are running along the train and literally like the art of them being snatched out the window just for some reason gave me such jojo vibes of <laughs> maybe it's just because it was in like england but also like here's this kind of scary kind of body horror thing that just happens to normal people and now we have our main squad that has to go fight him yeah so the thing about this series is i would argue in terms of numbers <laughs> this is 100 you could argue there are quantitatively more negatives than positives but the positives it has are so good that i don't even care first of all this series it just keeps you invested it goes fast like you want to keep going because the relationship between Fabricant 100 and Ashibe is so interesting like because there's this constant conflict where like is she really his ally does she actually care about him and the answer seems to be yeah but no but like because flesh like they never let you forget this is an incredibly dangerous monster and while you get hype moments of her beating the shit out of things with him they constantly remind you of like this Fabricant 100 is not a human is not contained and controlled by the same emotions that control us as humans and we'll just do crazy things that you're not expecting at any moment she puts herself first in all things he essentially made like a deal with the devil yes and the devil is giant and hot he has a three-year lease on her and then it's over and then he pays up this series gets 10 billion points for the fact that she at no point compromises her ideology i truly think at the end of the series if he hadn't fucked up his body she would have made good and killed him and took in his flesh yeah it was a really smart way of keeping her from killing him, too, because it makes sense. It wasn't like, ah, oh, Shive, I care about you. It was, no, he ruined his flesh. The whole reason she wanted to take his flesh because it was, like, perfect. But no. Yes, that's literally why she's around in any reason. But yeah. So now she's like, I have no use for you anymore. Yeah, it was just, you're not useful. And she kind of coldly just left him there. Like, she says, I feel nothing, specifically. Yes, it's so good. It's really good. There is a sadness there where, like, she clearly wishes she felt nothing, but the other day, she doesn't. And, like, the the joy she feels at, like, sacrificing herself for purely selfish reasons is so good. She looks crazy at the end when she's burning up. It's really good. Everything that involves her is the best part of this series. And she is just so good that she makes this series good. Yeah. I would also say Ashibe is no slouch and with them together, because if he sucked, it would be like, oh, I kind of like it. But but like their dynamic, they're constantly changing and ebbing and flowing. And the standoff energy of it is what makes Fabricant 100 just 
a gem. It's so interesting how the series is better for not having any morally great pieces. Well, the anti-fabricant people are blatantly good, but, but the fact that the fabricants are so unapologetically evil, it's interesting how the series is better off because of that. But I like that they give them sympathy. Like, I think about, like, the fish guy, and they make a point to be like, he could have totally just been happy swimming like a fish and eating fish, and he could have literally just lived a content full life doing that, but instead he had to kill humans to make himself supposedly better, even though he had, like, happiness where he was at, and it was just like, they constantly i don't know if i want to say necessarily humanize them but they do give them like empathy at points yeah it's like the scorpion and the frog story it's, it's really pretty like it's a weirdly pretty emotionally pretty manga at times like on one hand the fabricants the fabricants do not have any grayness but the their lack of like moral grayness adds moral grayness to fabricant 100 yes because like you see through everything she's doing where she's nice and protecting Ishibe you are constantly reminded these monsters are monsters they are evil to their core they do not give a shit about humans like biologically it is impossible for them to it creates this looming threat around her even when she's being nice and Ashibe has yeah. to constantly remind himself no I don't care about her I don't care about her but at the same time he clearly does he's so mad that she becomes like a mother figure for him yeah it's an extremely like the cult like needle that this reds it's really cool where so many other similar theories series can screw it up like I feel like there's so many times where I've seen like oh there's these I mean these aren't robots they're they're Frankensteins but like a lot of times when it's like it's an android they look just like people and then throughout the entire series they act exactly like people and there's no like yeah no these things aren't human these things are different and the fact that this doesn't screw that up freaking what is it Detroit Beyond Human where it's just like <laughs> these are people it's like no it's terrible like they aren't the things that dictate what they do are just completely 100% different than what would dictate a human would do it reminds me of like how in kingdom hearts organization 13 is not supposed to experience any emotion and yet they are constantly sad they are constantly yeah. very upset or have good friends and it's like this is experiencing emotion namura yes. <laughs> I do want to pivot just a little bit. We can stay in this topic, but I think this series also has positives that aren't related. I think as we talked about the chibi, this series has a very atypical art style that I think still looks nice. And I think the paneling is actually very strong as well. Like we really get a strong sense like that chaotic ending when she's burning and diving. That was really paneled excellently. And I really think from an artistic standpoint, besides maybe the backgrounds, which Jordan will probably get into, I really think this series had a unique look that really wasn't off-putting, which was really interesting. Yes. It was this interesting thing. Like, I really loved 100's design with, like, the two little curly cues on, like, her hair, kind of. Like, it was kind of iconic. Like, if this series went on, like, you could see that being, like, a cosplay thing. Oh, yeah. Like, there was, like, a Tim Burton-esque quality to her design. I mean, you know, the stitches and stuff. There was a timberness quality to all of it now that you say that. Like seeing like Mort safe and some of the other designs, like it does have a very, yeah, it's got a little Tim Burton-y hand to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, even with just the, the stitches, you know, very much Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. You are so right. I didn't think about that. Yeah. There was like a some darkness in the carnival. There was stripes here and there. I generally really enjoyed the art, even when it was like like it was definitely shaky at times. You know, David brought up sometimes the backgrounds were basically non-existent. But the actual character designs, I genuinely really liked. And I thought that, like, the way that this series, the series builds up to the idea of self-sacrifice. Like, Ayako, her whole thing is, I hate people who self-sacrifice. But as, as it keeps going, she gradually realizes, wait, I am constantly self-sacrificing. And then she winds up, like, actually sacrificing herself. 
I thought that's twin arc. That brother sister arc was kind of weird, though. Yeah, a little bit, but I like Fabricant 100, I think, is strong with its themes. And I think those characters help show that more. It helped foreshadow what the ultimate like that ending could have come out of nowhere in a lesser manga. Oh, 100 percent. The ending could have been super botched. It could have you could have done that same thing if the setup wasn't right. But it just you get there and you're just like, oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely one of the strongest endings we've ever read in Shonen Flop. Yes. It is shocking that he was able to thread that needle. Yeah. Like, it's actually surprising how it was earned like that. I also feel like a lot of the issues, if this manga kept going and was able to keep going, I think that that would have, it would have been like those issues with like how long some of the chapters felt. It just would have felt like build up more than anything else. Yeah. And then, though, I think as much as we enjoy talking about the positive, shall we get into where it could have gone? Because there are definitely some things that need to be fixed. Yeah. So, Kermit, what would you have changed about this series if you could have? What would I have changed? So I would have probably gotten rid of Mort Safe. At most, I would have made a resistance. I think for me, Fabricant 100 was always its strongest when it was a lot of these smaller moments where it's just like a Shibe, 100, and maybe a buddy, and they have found a Fabricant, and they're solving the mystery of what's going on. Like the initial train stuff, the person who killed people on boats, the carnival that little duo the people at the opera like the opera one like that is such this pretty little story of those two of this singer who just was like she lost her hearing and then could never sing and she always wanted this and now she had this person that she felt so close to like yeah these pretty little vignettes and Mortse feels like such a no talk about systems talk about structure here's a bunch of other assholes you have to deal with and it's like anytime we got back out of Mortsafe and Mortsafe isn't like I've seen manga where they introduce the big thing and it's like the dirt worse but it just feels like it's a distraction from the thing that made the manga at its strongest of just let them wander around yeah let them find these things don't let them be like have occasionally it's like oh a fabricant killed my whatever and now i'm this is i've dedicated my life to this but not in like a, we have this giant organization and just this like building away because it's neat to have like a third party with a shibe and a hundred to like comment on things and like see their weird dynamic they have so it's not just them dealing with each other but i would definitely say that i would also say just for how the manga went and And I don't know, as someone who kept up with it week to week, I feel at one point it got an unexpected stay of execution when everybody thought it was going to get canceled and the manga even seemed like it was building to end. And then it got an extra like 10 chapters and then was just like, oh, I guess we're still here for a while. I guess we'll just do another little vignette arc before we get to the end. And it felt a little shaky at that moment. But yeah, I feel like if it could take its time, it could not have more safe. It could have been something really special because like all the threads for something great are in there. It just needed to turn into a different shape. I don't know. No, maybe it's not something that made sense in Shonen Jump. I feel like the Mort safe stuff kind of feels like it's like when you watch a movie, you know, like when everyone was trying to do their own MCU and they put like a bunch of lore stuff to have like spinoffs in like a larger universe. That's what Mort safe feels like, where it's like the producer was like, hey, we got to set up like, you know, like a 10 piece cinematic universe. So you got to include this shit. I was going to say it felt like an editorial mandate. Yeah. Or like the fact that Ashima gets powers. Dude, you have to put in you have to put in a power system man. you have to put in something bigger here, you know? And someone has to have a sword. Someone has to have a sword. Multiple people need swords. You have to make it so there are like, there's an arbitrary hierarchy where some people are four star fighters and some people are five star fighters, which did feel kind of out of pace. There's a spot where they go, all the other five star fighters are out and you see silhouettes of people you will never meet. But they're very clearly like designed. They are designed silhouettes. And it's like, well, who knows who those people are? 
Yeah. Oh, man. I agree that like the smaller things like focusing on Ashibe and Fabricant 100, just dealing with like these little vignettes are the best parts of this series, you know? Yeah. They don't really feel like boring Monster of the Week things. It's like, as I said before, I don't know if I would fully get rid of Mort Safe, but I would shrink it drastically so that it's just like a few guys. Yeah. There could be other people have unusual biology that were hunted down and like it's just a gang of survivors. Yeah, that makes sense. There's no reason we need a giant castle town with our own five star chef. Like there's no reason. How do you have an anti-fabricant when there's like 80 fabricants? Yeah. yeah. It's like ridiculous. I think it's pretty clear that the author also didn't really give a shit, which is why he redesigned Mort Safe. <laughs> like, yeah. Maxi B pointed out the design for the Mort Safe building changes drastically whenever the artist draws it. Like it's a completely different building. I want to say it's like an A-frame house the first yeah. time. So I was like, oh, that's neat. And then like later on, it's a very like Tim Burton, like weird. Oh, shoot. What's that? It doesn't matter. But like, it's just like this funky little thing. It goes from being a pyramid to just a castle, basically. Which also means like how long, like how many resources and how long do they spend building this headquarters? Who's paying for all of this? There's no money in hunting these things. Most people don't even seem to know they exist. Like, it's just there's like the big leader who I don't know what their power is. There's that guy that like stops time that I'm now thinking about it completely forgot about. Do they ever say the leader's name? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like she was set up to be evil and then they didn't have time for it. She's just constantly sitting around on the ground and she always looks tired and sad. Yeah. She's like 12 years old or something. Oh, I don't know if that young, but yeah, she's. They said she was a kid. She seems weirdly young to be running this entire organization. I took that as like she being a Shibi's age when he said that. Yeah. I feel like, again, like this series, its strong parts are not Mort safe. Dave was right when he said it's like Poochie, where we're like whenever Fabricant 100's not on the page, I'm like, where's Fabricant 100? Where is she? Just cut all of the Mort safe stuff out and it's great. Like, I don't like Monster of the Week, but I know this is Monster of the Week would have been way better than the Mort safe shit. There are aspects of Mort Safe that I do like. Like, I think you needed some variation of them. Like, there's a moment where, like, Ashibe is watching on, like, closed circuit television, uh, which, you know, confuses the time frame yes, more. Yes, same. I, was, I had that in my notes. Yes. But when they're talking to Luca and Hugo, I guess, are talking to Fabricant 100 without Ashibe there, he comments on how this is the first time I've ever seen her talk to somebody without me there. She is terrifying. She is really creepy. I love like, that so much where it's just like the entire tone in the room is 100% different to this human that you spent all this time with. Well, I guess not human. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, the fact that it's like there is just an aura now that just is not present. It's like, oh, she is only pleasant because she knows in however many years she's get to able to, you know, harvest Shibe. She could just easily kill every single person in that room right now yes. if she wanted. And they really played it off. I'm trying to think, so what would you guys say if you wanted to keep, like, kind of the logic of this, or kind of keep the, like, structure of the series with Mort safe? Like, maybe what if it was, like, just true magic, and instead of these being, like, they were, like, demons, and there was, like, a magical element, so you don't deal with that whole, there's only one scientist who can make them, and, like, maybe that explains that they're hundreds of years old, and, like, you know, something like that. Like, if there was more magic, because the whole scientist nah, part doesn't make sense. No, I, I disagree. I don't want magic. Like, at most, you get, like, either, the no. core powers, and they're weirdly not a big deal. That had big, like, jump editors. They need you to put in a power, like, give the main guy powers Oh, and I meant, stuff. like, the origin of the fabricants. Like, if there was, like, it just doesn't make sense that there's one, there was literally only one dude who made all of them, and then we have, like, this giant organization for literally 100 monsters. I really liked that. Like, like at least that there's one scientist. 
Mort safe yeah. kind of confuses a lot of this shit. I was trying to think if there was a way to make Mork safe make sense, given the structure of this series. Make it small. Make it like a handful of yeah. dudes. So I guess that's the best way is just make Mort safe small. Don't make bigger problems. Make less Mort safe because Fabricant, it's best when it's doing small moments. So less people, small things, better Fabricant. All right. That's fair. See, the the way that I think this series was headed if it kept going was number one was going to start making his own fabricants and they were going to be more fucked up. Like you saw that with like 99 where he can't even talk. Yeah. So you would have seen him like constantly trying to improve his own science. So it would have been kind of like a mirror of the of the original scientists where you're like, wow, these things are have even less human. Love that. Love that so much. Wish we had yeah. more time with that because yeah. that lends well also to the monster of the week where like at some point that like 99, maybe no one that powerful just shows up and it's like it can't talk and it's all kind of weird and uncomfortable. And it's like, why is this like this one? None of the other ones were like this. Yeah. And then like that being teased out like a mystery of like, oh, yeah, at one point one just tries to start making new ones. And it's I mean, it's the point they make. It's like you can't make what's not inside you. And yeah, that leads into all the other themes we've been talking about really well. So I also think it would have been cool if their powers were based directly on how the flesh they were built on died. Like they kind of allude to it with the firepower, but I think that would have been a really interesting thing. I had that thought in that moment because when I was rereading it, I'm like, is she remembering back when she was a human, even though she's an amalgamation of parts? But then they're like, oh, I remembered having this power, but maybe her flashback is to her getting exploded by a bomb. And that just but also she had firepower because the doctor was starting to go freaking crazy. And he's like, yes, this is my strongest one. And his, you know, war creation tendencies just snuck in there i think a hundred percent she was supposed to be based on like the apple girl from that giant flashback and they just didn't have time to explicitly say it yeah and it's really funny to think about that that he well he says saya which is her name yeah gave her big boobs then there's something kind of <laughs> silly about that when you take a moment <laughs> yeah she does have some fucking bazongas Yes, she does. Some yabos. Big ol' yabos. I feel bad. That's one of the reasons that I, I was going to read it. I was always going to read that first chapter when it came out. But I remember being on well, Why I Call It Yabos, the Super Best Friends Reddit, and somebody going, hey, there's a manga out now with a giant lady Demetrescu. And it's like, well, I just got to read it now. Yeah. And aren't you glad you did? I appreciated how, like, even though she was clearly hot, they make, like, maybe one reference to it where she's, like, talking about herself being pretty yeah. and that they don't really sexualize her beyond the fact that she just has big tits. <laughs> Agreed. I wanted, yes. I was like, I don't know exactly how to put that in a non-weird way, but it's like, while she is very hot, she is never necessarily, like, sexualized or kind of grossly looked upon by either other people in the world or the artist's lens. And it's like, I appreciate that. She's rad doing her thing. Let her let her breast boobily around as she does. Yeah. Definitely hashtag male writers. But anyway, now that we're getting a little off topic, why don't we go into miscellaneous thoughts? So what this is a really small thing, but I always think it's weird when an author is like too lazy to create like new character design or like new clothing designs. So are the main character exercises in his default clothing, which made zero sense because that is absolutely atrocious clothing to be exercising in. <laughs> so he's like running. He's like running laps in like a suit. I would love it if like he opened up his suitcase and there were just a ton of very there were just a ton of that one outfit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, hey, this is old timey days. They don't give a shit how they smell. <laughs> like, Do they have workout clothes? They were all doing tons of heroin in between each battle. To, <laughs> yeah, it's good for what else. Yeah. It's just stomach medicine, David. It's just stomach medicine. And, you know, your problems can be solved with cocaine. It's a wonder drug. Yep. <laughs> oh god did you guys have any other miscellaneous thoughts when she burned that guy that was fucked up 
he looked fucked up. He got on fire immediately, and it was like, yeah, really, really freaky. There's some effed up stuff in the series. Yeah. Well, what are Maxi B's thoughts, David? So Maxi B though has quite a few thoughts. The one shot for this one, the Golden Future Cup, guaranteeing the author's serialization, which was this number 100 mm. design appears to be very heavily re- influenced by Say It With Us, Lady Jessica from Resident Evil Village. Hence your breasting boobily <laughs> towards you in her cleavage heavy dress. The author's favorite manga in his 2020 profile included Full Metal Alchemist, yep. One Piece, Demon Slayer, Hell's Paradise, and Doro Hidoro. So absolutely, you can see the influence of all these series, especially Demon Slayer. Oh, Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist, exactly. But no JoJo? That seems so weird. But no JoJo. Full Metal Alchemist and Demon Slayer are very blatant in this. Yeah. Am I alone in this feeling, JoJo-y? It's just became too much of Lady D is too OP to have to do any tricky fights a lot of the time. But like, I know like the bubble thing in the second chapter, like he's invisible because of the light refraction. That was pure Iraqi. Iraqi would have definitely said that. It's like a little of that, that so much of it is like, it's not a horror series, but there's just a lot of weird body horror. A lot of the times things are happening and then just something else pops off to just increase the intensity. I do feel like the main reason it feels jojo is because of the Victorian setting. Ooh, yeah, that's probably it too. Even though this isn't technically Victorian, I don't know, whatever. Volume extras included sketches between chapters, the rare one-page bonus comic profiles, and assistance credits. Ooh, there you go, Maxi B. Yeah. You know what, David? This is Full Metal Alchemist setting. That's what this is. Yes. All right, fine. That makes sense. By the way, a mort safe is a thing. It is a sort of protective cage placed over graves to prevent them from being disturbed. So that is the word of the day. I like that. Mm. I like how Maxi B points out that the author fully admitted he redrew mort safe. He did not try it. He was like, yeah, I did this. I don't know what you want. And then Maxi B included like comparison shots. Totally different building. I love the giant crosses at first, and then they remove all religious elements of the series. Goes for being, is that, is it on a moat in the second one? Yes. Oh, I see what happened. Okay, Maxi B is saying that in the jump version, it looked one way, and then in the volume version, it looked completely different. It changes like that in, I mean, I guess I was reading the jump manga version, so it's both of them are present at currently right now in the jump app. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I remember seeing the A-frame and then read these notes and then noticed when the other Mort safe showed up. And I'm like, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Building retcon, you love it. All right. But then well, let's get into final verdict. So let's start off with our six word summaries from the community. We have a fuck ton from Maxi B. I fabric can't believe this got canceled. Hey. I think that is the first of two six word summaries to have that joke. From Chicken Warlord, Rough Star ages gracefully, not perfectly. Deb Brew, How to Train Your Murder Waifu. Diego, The Carl Cloves Murder Mommy Flop. Digizide, The Evil Sleepy AI. Frankenstein's Bizarre Adventure featuring Lady D. So there you go, Kermit. Yeah, there you go. I'm not the only one. Dude Rocks, I wish I had a Franken mommy. Generic Man, she's one hell of a nanny. Hey. Blue Mac Iron Spawn, Cheapers, Creepers, where do you get superpowers? Isekai, Fabricant makes this into a hit. Lenny, Fabricant, three hours, reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> Lord Anubis, the golden future curse is real. So that's a reference to everyone who wins this fucking award fails with their oh, series. That's a bummer. <laughs> I know. I'm surprised Maxi B didn't talk about that. Loser, self-sacrifice, self-immolation, self-actualization. Nice. Luffy, Dami Mommy is OP, but compelling. Meru says, gouge, uncover nab, dismember, and mend. I think that's a U2 song. Pirate Shinny says, it's Lady D's rougher younger years. Portal Man says, weirdest reanimator slash Frankenstein fanfic ever. Redblade says, Kimetsu no tall dami murder mommy. 
How many times did we say Dami Mommy? Dami Mommy, Dami Mommy, Dami Mommy. Resident Warhammer Nerd says, wait, it's still not Resident Evil? Riel says, oh, I think that's a reference to how... Yes, the stars. When it was stars, people were like, oh, like fucking Resident Evil. Riel says, watch how hard I can bleed. Spubby says, turn that fabric can't into a fabric can. There you go. <laughs> Scott, almost no time for bodily harm. Spike, couldn't quite stitch together a hit. The Grey Potter says, fabulous fabricants, filch, fancy fellows forms. The Mr. Yeti, fawning Frankenstein Fraulein fights fabricant freak shows. Ooh, I like that's a good use of a German word. Yeah. Yeah. The Wolf, the Wood, the Trafalgar. Building unsuccessful bodies and manga quickly. Try attack Zach. No, we have Frankenstein at home. (laughs) Like it. Zylon. Franken Cougar hungers for a younger boy. And then Jordan, what was yours? Mine was fabricants want one thing. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Mine was God, I should have written an R1 because I should have known how many Dommy Mommies. Mine said <laughs> mommy needed to Dommy the plot. <laughs> And then, oh, that might be a nominee for the flies. <laughs> Kermit, nice. what was yours? I have I have a triple plating if you will allow me to get through these uh, alliterations. Frocked Femme Frankenstein fuck em up for flesh. Mm-hmm. Massive MILF mashes murderous meat muggers and bizarre <laughs> BBW bodyguards bright bereaved boy. <laughs> Okay, those are all great. And then I think we can all agree this was not a flop, right? Not a flop. I really like this. I was upset when it got canceled. I'd really like to see more of this series. It's a shame. We'll be watching your career with great interest, as they say. Yeah. Okay. And then so Jordan, though, is this the best thing we have ever read? It is up there. It's in the conversation. It is in the conversation. Not a true fan. Haven't listened to every episode, but I know there's some you've enjoyed, so. This is better than Nanohazard, which is our most recent not a flop. Kermit. Okay, I'll take it. There are not many things. No, I told you, I sent you the ratio. It's like 16 not a flops we've ever read. Yeah. Impressive. Over three years. I'm surprised it's that many. Over 80 series. You're getting a couple new ones. I'm going to, I'm going to, spoiler alert, that probably Tenmaku Cinema is coming at you at some point. Oh, Mm. yeah, yeah, I think we already got that one scheduled. You won't hate it. Oh, good. Just thinking of ones I really like, this is worse than Heartboiled Cop and Dolphin. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. Jordan sounds so sad, but... Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, it's not as good as Chainsaw Man. It's not as good as Chainsaw Man. It's not as good as Chainsaw Man. As much as I love it, I can't... can't, I couldn't do that. It's not as good as Chainsaw Man. Can I make one more point from the sign-off? Because I set up I was going to talk about something very small, and then I never did. Oh, yeah, sure. Because it wasn't a flop. There was another series that it made me think of that I wanted to be like, also, if you like this, read this. Which is just... It's Golden Kamui. It's always Golden Kamui. Oh, Golden Kamui is great. Golden Kamui rules! Exactly! You all know. All right. Well, guess what? Now it's time for the shout outs. First of all, I want to say, Kermit, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can they find all of the fantastic things that you do? Well, thank you for having me. You can find Aww. me on and my my co-host has lovingly put it into chat so I won't screw it up this time. You can find me on the podcast that time I got reincarnated in the same world as an anime podcaster. I love it. I'm one of the three little hosts. We're hopefully starting up a new mini series where we read the first chapter of things. So very much on the other spectrum of you guys getting at the end. We're hopping at the middle. I think the current name we're experimenting with is Shonen Jumping the Gun. <laughs> That's really good. Pretty good. So we'll be covering some of the, the new crap of Shonen Jump stuff coming in. And you can also very similarly find me in the Shonen Flop Discord, which is like the one Discord that I adore dearly. Not to brag, we don't have a porn channel, which apparently is a high achievement for any manga anime based Discord. It's a big achievement. Your Discord is not cringe. Thank you. You'd be shocked how many anime discords podcasts or no just have an nsfw channel 
and we don't, and that's good in my mind. It's a good choice. I talked to Gomez Scans, and they literally created one so we could keep the honor of not having one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you can find me in the Shonen Flop Discord. I am running now something called Flop Pools, which as we have these new chapters, everybody can place their bets for bragging rights if they think it will be a flop or not. And we'll check in every so many chapters and see how right or wrong all of us are, because I find it funny calling your shot and being so wrong. oh man that is awesome though and then jordan i also want to say props to you for making the opening ending theme and being a great co-host and helping with editing thank you david and thank you for editing and putting the whole podcast together man thank you for together this fucking document Oh, anytime. That business school is well worth it. Props to Merla for the awesome cover. Find her online at Lyle Murr and Nigel for being our generous art factor. Also, special shout out to Maxie B for coming up with the art for this episode. And thank you, Dylan, for assistance for editing. You can find his podcast, Anime Eye Context, at AnimeContext.com. Thanks to Tucker and Maxie B for assistance with pronunciation, translation, other miscellaneous research. Find us on Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website, ShonenFlop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever else you get your podcasts. And Jordan is running up the score with his awesome work on our Tumblr. That is Shonen-Flop. If we haven't plugged enough, come join the Shonen Flop Discord. It is a great time. We actually got our second ever person, I think, in the Discord who works on the translation of a series. We now have the letter of me and Robico. I've never read that series. My bad. But I'm sure you do a great job at it. Woo. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it's just fun to have more Viz employees in the Discord. Yes. And if you have been enjoying the podcast and want to help us keep going, consider subscribing to our Patreon. Wouldn't be able to keep the show running without their awesome support. Get a ton of awesome perks. Jordan, what did we drop this month? This month, David, we're dropping the right way to meet Chump with our good friend Luke, a.k.a. Coltrag, from the Domance Dawn podcast. Oh, man, I love speaking of great podcast ideas. Kermit, have you heard of that podcast? Oh, I have not. What if you recast One Piece characters with Simpsons characters? That sounds insane. I love it. It's fucking awesome. I love Jordan. and I were both guests and it was a great time. Like, have you ever seen Bart Kira? I think so. I've definitely seen some Simpsons anime monstrosities before. Yeah, that's well, it's basically Bart Kira for One Piece. Fantastic. You can also be listening into our recording right now, listening to the Mormon Potty or helping us pick what series we are going to cover next. You can find us at patreon.com slash show and flop. And I'm going to read off some of our wonderful patrons. So I want to start by thanking our dolphin dad patrons, abstracted male philosopher type seeking Christian swinger. And if ass was not meant to be eaten, then why is it between two puns? <laughs> Moving on down to the ravioli tier where you get weekly pictures of my adorable little puppuccino ravioli. We have Chris, Eva, Josh, Karate Chopsticks, Rachel, my wonderful fiance. I still haven't started playing Baldur's Gate which you got me because I'm trying to beat Sea of Stars. Same, except I don't have Baldur's Gate. And Trevor. Moving on down to King of the Forest, we have 090Z, Bandit Stoof. My girlfriend! Shell Thorine, Gabe Landu, Jacob Andrew Galloway, Kirby Munt, Marty, Max Baker, Not Jeff, T, T Wolfwood, and you thought it was King Salamander, but it was I, Jory. <laughs> and I also want to give a big thank you to our Galactic Ball Federation officers and our Beast Children. And then Jordan, anything you want to toss in? Yeah, check out Mission Ignition. We'll have another, another episode sometime. I don't know when, eventually, possibly, maybe. Nice. All right, now let's get in the sign-off. Thanks so much for joining us. Tune in next Monday as we give our first thoughts on Shinomai Fuke Kilkosan. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Kermit. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, flopper. Yeah, bye. Bye. <laughs>